0: You're listening to Medex, the Medical Extrusion Podcast. Presented by US Extruders. Extrude with confidence. Custom extrusion equipment designed for you and your application. Welcome to the Medex podcast. This is Steve Max and this is part 2 of our conversation with Teddy Mudge of Hoop Medical. In this episode, we discuss some of the processes upstream of the balloon forming process that impact balloon performance. We also talk about the differences in balloon types that deliver devices versus balloon types that deliver energy. I hope you enjoy. In terms of uh, extruded medical tubing that you are secondarily forming, um, balloon tubing has more stringent quality requirements right? Beyond dimensional specifications. Yeah. And that is because as you've alluded to, you are longitudinally and radially expanding the tubing to, to enhance the mechanical properties. And this is where the concept of garbage in garbage out applies, right? Yeah. Um, in, in order to have quality output.
1: Yeah. Walk exactly. us
0: through some of the processes upstream of the balloon forming machine such yeah. as material handling to avoid particulates, gels, uh, moisture yeah. levels, or during, during the extrusion, the concentricity level, or if there's too much shear imparted in the extrusion during the process. Walk us through some of the, the factors that contribute to high-quality, you know, high-performance, repeatable balloon-forming process.
1: Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so you, you're dead right there. It's, it's very much a garbage-in, garbage-out process. And... um And so basically we need to be working with the best quality balloon tubing extrusion that we can get our hands on. And you'd be amazed, but there's only a a few people in the world who can actually make that tubing, um, to those standards. And so we source tubing from a number of different suppliers. We don't do it ourselves in house. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to come across as as a balloon tubing expert because I'm not. Um, uh, but what I can say is, getting the tubing right is paramount to having a chance at making the balloon. So, um, so yeah, as as I said, there's a few people around the world who who really know um, these subtleties well, and and mm-hmm. they're the ones who who we work with and and who we'd be interested in working with. And um, you touched on, you know, dimensional tolerances being important, uh, included in that. Um, is obviously your, your ID and OD of the tube, but also um, concentricity, you know, how, how concentric that ID is with respect to the OD. Right. Um, keep in mind, we're trying to form a balloon which may very well have a wall thickness as thin as 5 microns. And, um, and so if that's the end goal, to, to have a balloon that might have a very thin wall around 5 microns, you can imagine how important it is that the tubing that you start out with is concentric because if you start with even the slightest eccentricity or non-concentric tubing, um, you're going to get a wall on your balloon on one side which might be 2 microns and on the other side which might be 10 microns um, because you started off with tubing that wasn't concentric. So that's kind of – super important. Uh, you also mentioned shear. And um, and that also affects you, you know, like, you can get two tubes from the same material to the same dimensional specification. So the IDOD tolerances are good. The concentricity is good. The material search is good. They're both from the exact same grade of resin, could even be from the same lot of resin. So if we remove all of any variability that there might be in the resin manufacture. And you then extrude it and you do it, you, you get those tolerances and you get those dimensions to work with one set of extrusion settings. And then you get the same dimensional tolerances to work with another set of extrusion settings. The second set, perhaps having a lot of share on the extrusion, but those two balloon tubes, when you try and make balloons with them will perform very differently um, on, in our process. And so, um, you know, one of the things, depending on the balloon and depending on the application, one of the things we'd be looking at is how does that balloon, how does that balloon tubing elongate? Like how does it, Mm -hmm. when you stretch it, what kind of forces are involved, what kind of, what's the ultimate elongation, things like that. And those are, those are sometimes telltale signs to a process upstream from us that, that wasn't quite right. Um, Obviously, we've got all the control measures in place to um, to check that things were made within certain limits. But um, it's good to have a, a fail-safe check as well, which, which we do. So all of the balloon tubing extrusion, which we source from around the world, goes through a real stringent incoming inspection um, at Hoop. And we'll pick up, before we even try to make balloons, uh, we'll pick up that there's a problem you know, we don't want to waste three days on our machines yeah. figuring out that it's actually a, an extrusion problem. Um, yeah. So we have those checks and balances um, in our incoming inspections. And, um, yeah, I mean, even even aside from the extrusion and how, how important it is that that's done right, even upstream from there, uh, the compounding of the resin and you mentioned earlier drying, um, mm-hmm. but also, you know, foreign particulate that might come in or if you've got um, in your compounding maybe you've got some old um, burnt material in there or or mm-hmm. in maybe one of your extruders in, in one of the screws there's some burnt material on the screw that's kind of flaking off into the you know all those things um, would have a negative effect on us. So yeah visual inspections are a big thing gels fish eyes um, controlling for those but um, but I suppose another kind of nuance is um, and, and something most people don't really think about, like if you look hard enough at, at any extruded tube, you're going to find some visual defects. If you, if you magnify in enough, mm-hmm. you will see yep. some areas looking different to others. Yeah. And it's about understanding where those limits should be. What are we going to pass and what are we going to reject? Um, because if we zoomed right in, and looked for anything and then reject it, we would unfortunately reject all material. So mm-hmm. um, it's important to understand at what level it actually impacts the performance of the balloon, because that's, that's what all these controls are about. And that's, what, that's why we have regulations in place, and that's why they're important, is to track when there's a process or a material change that's gonna actually negatively impact the performance or the safety of the, of the product. And in, in our right. case, that's a balloon. So understanding what you can live with and, and what is acceptable and what is not is, is also a big part of it. Um, yeah, and I think these days, more and more, you know, vision systems are getting cheaper. Uh, people are able to see things that they weren't able to see a few years back. And so that point that I'm making there um, is becoming more and more important. You know, where do you draw the line? And um, yeah, and then how best do you control for those things?
0: Okay, excellent. Let's move on to a little bit more about applications and and therapies. Um, You know, a large portion of balloons, uh, non-compliant, semi-compliant, are used to deliver devices. You talked about delivering a stent earlier. It might be a heart valve. And over the years, we've seen a, a tremendous growth in um, balloon-based ablation catheters. You know We have uh, electrophysiology to treat AFib, renal denervation to treat hypertension. And these often use uh, what's called hot balloons where um, electrodes are mounted to the body of the balloon and they deliver RF energy or cryo balloons that deliver, you know, cryothermal freezing energy to ablate soft tissue. Um, talk us, walk us through some of the differences in, um, the balloon types materials, maybe compliance levels, uh, balloons that are used to Deliver devices compared to balloons that are used to deliver energy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, so I think one of the first things that kind of s- strikes me there is um, probably around balloon shape. If you if you look at balloons that deliver devices or implants, that it's typically a tubular shape implant or cylindrical shape implant, um, often comprising some stent like element um so th- those are often tubular in shape and so the the shape of balloon needed to deploy that is is a cylindrical standard shape balloon uh what we would call standard shape i mean it's it's basically got a cone on each end and then a c- cylinder in the middle um, and and so yeah man, many of your balloons which are delivering devices would look like that kind of shape. Um, But then another interesting thing to talk about is is materials. And often what everyone's trying to do with a balloon is get enough force to do the work. So if the work is putting a stent in, have enough radial force to actually deploy that stent to the right size. in, in balloon terms, that comes down to the pressure that's inside the balloon. So it basically boils boils down to having a burst pressure or a rated burst pressure that is high enough for the job. Um, and then coming from the other side, most customers want the balloon to have the lowest profile possible when when it's folded down and, and when it's um, going into the body because most of the time... Um, you ask any interventional cardiologist or any surgeon that does this type of work, how can we make this better? They will always want it to be smaller when it goes in. and But when it gets into position, they always want it to be big enough to to do the job. So what that boils down to in balloon speak is having a real thin wall thickness, um, yet still being able to, reach those high pressures. And I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, a part of why we're called hoop is um, when you inflate a pressure vessel um, with a certain wall thickness um, and you inflate it with a, a certain pressure, you develop this hoop stress in that, in that pressure vessel. And that's pretty much the, the stress running in the circumferential Direction, So mm-hmm. the stress running in a ring shape around the balloon. Um, and that's called hoop stress in, in mechanical engineering. And, um, and so what you're looking for is a combination of wall thickness and material that is going to give you an optimized balloon, one that reaches the burst pressures needed, but it's also as thin as it can be so that you can get it as small as it, as you can um, to gain access to the body easily. And so that's that's like the, the typical challenge when it comes to balloons that are deploying devices or implants. Um, balloons that are used to deliver energy um, – you're right there's been a lot of innovation there in the last 10 years and um you touched on a few of them so so often these balloons are trying to ablate tissue which basically means in, in layman's speak like burn the tissue or scar the tissue or get the tissue to go from being normal tissue to scarred tissue and that might seem counterintuitive but an example would be um in your heart, uh, you have this thing called the bundle of hiss, which is like the electric system of the heart. And um, when you mess with that electric system, it affects your heartbeat. And humans cleverly found out that by burning tissue near some of those um, nerves in the heart, you can change the rhythm of the heart. So you can take a heart that's developed arrhythmia where it's no longer beating in sync and by burning very specific little parts of the inside of the heart um, you can get that rhythm back and you can restore the rhythm to someone's heart and to do that burning work uh, I'm not a doctor I'm just uh, it's not the right uh, terminology but to do that work you need to deliver energy and it might be through um, actual heat or through radio frequency, or through light, for example, like laser. Yeah. Um, and often when you're delivering that energy, you need a way to approximate the tissue. So if you just had, like, for example, a little heater element, and, um, and you've got that heater element on a little catheter, and it, the idea is you're going to go up into the heart and you're going to burn some tissue you're going to ablate some tissue and um, you need a way of getting that little heater element to actually touch the tissue and that's often where the balloon comes in Um, you mount that element onto the outside or inside of the balloon and you get it into position and when you're in position you inflate the balloon which pushes that little energy transmitter up against the target anatomy and then you deliver your therapy and so what does that mean it means that the balloon often needs to be the right shape for the destination or for the target anatomy and um often the standard shape balloons that that's where the balloon industry comes from um are not the right shape um you might be trying to go into the atrium of the heart and you so you might need something that is like a squashed sphere um more of a spherical shape or a short spherical shape Um, or you might be going to some, I don't know, like a branch vessel and you might need a balloon that looks like a a Y Um, all sorts of shapes are, are possible and, and and needed for these different applications. And so that's really where um, where customers can leverage our experience when they come, uh, and 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 work with us is basically um, explaining the problem to us of, of what they trying what they want what they want their balloon to do. and um, allowing us to have input on things like materials, tooling, um, what can be expected uh, from pressures, wall thicknesses, um these nuances around balloons, where it actually takes quite a long time to to get a feel for these things. And um, you can save a bunch of time by just coming and hiring us, and, and we'll do that work for you. So that's kind of the thinking um, behind the um, the idea of working with an external supplier on balloons. I, a, a lot of our um, customers actually have balloon manufacturing abilities in house, yeah, and and that's really no problem. They they come to us for the difficult ones, and right. I can help them through those. But yeah, I think. I think I answered your question there, Steve, on the, yep. on the differences between the different types. I suppose like talking a little bit more to materials, um, often those uh, energy delivering um, balloons or, or devices which might ablate. Yep. Um, you can imagine there's, there's often a balloon right next to something that is very hot or very cold or um, very high energy light intensity or whatever it might be um and so yeah you need the balloon material to be able to withstand those environments even if it's for a short um short while and sometimes um some of these devices have kind of backup balloons like if things don't go well um there's a backup balloon to, to to catch whatever might otherwise have leaked out um and so, yeah, redundancies in place um, uh, to ensure that these procedures are safe. And so, yeah, we we have, um, yeah, we've worked on projects where there's a balloon inside another balloon or um, two balloons butting up against each other or, yeah, um, multi-layered balloons made from mm-hmm. different materials at different layers and all sorts, really. And um and yeah, so it's 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 fun to be it's fun to be in this position that I find myself in actually, because I get to obviously now with with confidentiality in place, um, but I get to see a lot of the cool new things that are are right. being made at the moment. And you know, as you all know, these these devices can take three to seven years to actually get to market, right. um, and they need to go through all sorts of um, Benchtop top V and V and then clinical trials and, and so on and so forth. And this all takes time. So I'm in this great, uh, really what I consider a fortunate position where I get to see some of these devices of tomorrow um, before other people, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Very exciting. One last question. You, you talked about a, a balloon in a balloon or
0: multiple balloons. Are, are there ever situations or designs where you have different compliance levels with, with the different balloons, more of a compound compliance?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, so, so you can get, there's different things you can do. You can, you can engineer in different compliance into a different portion of the same balloon. Um, uh, compliance can be controlled in a number of different ways. Uh, it's not just that material that you select when you start. It's also the processing that you do to that material, um, both at the extrusion level, but also at the blow-forming level, mostly at the blow-forming level. And um, so, yeah, I mean, theoretically, um, and not even theoretically, uh, Mm -hmm. actually proven, um, we could make a balloon which had less compliance on one end and more compliance on the other end, and same diameter, same thickness. Um, Or we could have a balloon that is almost acting like a jacket in a certain portion of, of uh, have like a balloon assembly with an inner and an outer balloon. And um, I, I'm, I'm talking more and more these days about this concept of a balloon module where, sure, we, we make balloon components, but often that, that balloon component might actually be made up of two subcomponents or more that have been bonded together in some way or connected together in some way, or maybe made in the same process together. Um, But where so, 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 and I'm finding as the industry evolves and as the technology keeps moving forward, people are coming to us with even more imaginative ideas and imaginative ways of using balloons. And we encourage that we want to be that partner who, does that kind of work so uh, alongside the balloons that we make and and the standard balloons that you would see on our websites and um, on the internet there are these other projects going on where it's more of like a sub-assembly what I call balloon module and what's needed often is like some sort form of secondary process there maybe a bonding process maybe Mm -hmm. um, some kind of um, cutting process or that sort of thing Um, where the balloon needs more work and Mm -hmm. um, and and we're developing some of those processes um, at the moment as well. So we're wanting to position ourselves that we're very focused on the balloon, but um, but that we um, are not shy to take on challenging um, balloon problems that might require more than just one balloon. Um, So I I, I don't know if I've made that clear. We're very much focusing on the balloon module or balloon sub-assembly, not not the full device. Right, right. Um, Yeah, I mean, an example of that would be like braid-reinforced balloons, for example. Like, there's a technology which allows um, dilation balloons or um, high-pressure balloons to reach even higher pressures for a given wall thickness. And uh, they do this by reinforcing that balloon material with some other material and forming a composite um and that type of work yeah we're super interested Mm -hmm. in it um anything that pushes the boundaries of what balloons can do yeah okay
0: wow very interesting i could ask you hundreds of questions about balloon forming but we'll save that for another day right (laughs) (laughs) but i don't
1: don't want to bore people with this stuff it's pretty niche (laughs) it's, it's very
0: exciting but uh we'll uh we thank you for joining MedEx Podcast and sharing your thoughts, and we'll be sure to get you on another time so we could talk about some of these other interesting topics related to uh, balloon technologies.
1: Oh well, that's that's awesome. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, it's been a it's been a real pleasure. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to join again sometime and, and good luck with the show. Thank you so much. Cool. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to Medex medical extrusion podcast presented by us extruders please subscribe to make sure you're getting the latest episodes for video episodes go to us-extruders.com forward slash podcasts all links are available in the show notes